a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. This is the Glendale slash Phoenix Supercross wrap-up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Flyracing.com. Uh, incredible stuff down there. Lots more than just gear. You know their gear and their helmets that guys like Pike and Millsaps and Baggett and Canard wear, but they got much more than that. got mountain bike stuff, snowmobile stuff. It's January. Get some snowmobile gear. Uh, fly hard parts, uh, sprockets, foot pegs, lever assemblies, that kind of stuff. They got a ton of stuff, people. Fly racing. Dot com. Check them out on the web, and uh, we love Fly Racing for coming on board this podcast. This is the, like I said, this is the wrap-up of the uh, Supercross that has completed uh, less than uh, uh, 24 hours ago. So that's the kind of service we give you people. I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line from Fly Racing, flyracing.com. He's a Fly Racing rider back in the day. The Jason Thomas. Yeah, I feel like I'm becoming synonymous with that, which I guess is the goal also, so I'm going to go with that. What do you do at Fly Racing? I don't even know what you do. You're sales manager-ish? Um, yeah, I, I sweep the floors, clean the bathrooms. Uh, it's You know, there's a lot of uh, upkeep to be done around there, so um, get do- the, you know, I set the bagels out in the morning for everybody and, you know. And then turn the stereo on inside the gym. Right, and then seven the seven deuce deuce. What where does he work? What does he do at, at, at WPS slash Fly Racing? Uh, there's a lot of uh, he, he's basically locked up in the studio. Okay, but, yeah, just uh, creating rhymes. Right, yeah. busting out rhymes. Okay, right. Uh, good to hear. Uh, also on the line, the voice of uh, uh, motocross, the voice of GNCC, the voice of NASCAR, Jason Wygant. Yeah. Think anybody will know? Uh, I squeeze in the voice of NASCAR. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, huge, huge involvement. You might have heard me for, I think, three total minutes last year, and um, so far, nothing. How was your NASCAR? How, much, uh, how was your NASCAR media day? Yeah, how much hanging out did you do with Danica and uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on Saturday as well? Yeah. Oh man, they are public enemies one and two, as these fans are blaming those two for not seeing the 250 LCQ. <laughs> they are hated right now. I hope they get out of that building. I hope they had security. Oh. That needs to be revisited. That whole concept, I think. No, 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 JT. We just firm with his belief that it's fine. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, think I'm there's anything you can do about it. Like, I, I, there's no point that I can argue here that people are going to agree with me on, and I get that. But they've got to stuff more laps into the same length of show that they used to, so something's got to give. Uh, but I, bet. I know what people are going to say is don't interview them. Well, they're not going to not interview them. They're not going to do that. Fox is Would not you disagree? That. Would you disagree with the fact that ninety? 8.7% of people are tuning in because they want to watch racing? It's just not how TV works. I'm sure the bosses of Fox are like, uh, yeah, we would way rather you get two NASCAR people on the show than some 
uh, qualifying race for the non-top guys in the non-top class. I'm getting, that's just what the, this is how it works. This is how it works. I'm not arguing with your yeah. point. I'm just saying, but if they were really insightful as to what people want, I feel like they want to watch racing. Our, our sport is not big enough, in my opinion, to exclude the fact that people want to watch the dirt bike racing. Just like people want to watch, they just tune in for the motocross stuff. They just want to hear the motocross stuff. They want to see dirt bikes. Yeah, but that's actually, I think that the TV execs would argue the opposite. They're like, these races at best get 200, 250,000 people to watch. That's crap. So the motocross audience itself ain't getting it done. We need to get other people to think it's cool and interested. So yeah, never going to happen. We'd rather throw in a, a feature on a rider, a feature on the signs of Supercross, and two NASCAR talking heads. Uh, we'd way rather do that than give them more racing. So I would I would argue that that's never going to happen. That's all pipe dream. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what Steve's been hammering for years, right? It's never going to help. Yeah, let me, let me get no, on my <laughs> let me get into my soapbox yeah. about X Games and everything else and, yeah. and, and ESPN and yeah, let me yeah exactly. I'm firmly entrenched in that side, too. Yeah, it's 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 just the way it's always going to be, and there's going to be crap in every sport but, that people are going to complain about because they determine that uh, that this I just, is what people want to see. I don't see. I don't see anybody sitting there watching the race going, awesome interview, great, like really added to the TV show to have Danica and, and Ricky Stenhouse on there. I was really wondering how their prep was going yeah. for the Daytona 500 and how that tied into the Glendale Supercross. I yeah. Really, like, I, I couldn't wait to see more about that. Super informative. Yeah. That's not how it works. They are celebrities. <laughs> they are celebrities. She is known in every household in the United States. If you can get her on TV, they're going to do it. That's it. I can't argue that. I you're can't argue that. I just, like, that's credibility. Wow. One of the, uh, a celebrity that's known in every household came to the race. That's huge credibility for the sport. Get it on the air. Do we have to sacrifice one of the, one of the most interesting and entertaining races of the night to do it? That would be my, that would be my retort. Yeah. And I don't know if it's directly that, um, that interview, like, cause they didn't show it. Whatever they didn't show it at Anaheim too, right? And they didn't have Danica Patrick on, so yeah. I think it just had to go by the wayside because there's more laughs in the races, um, and that's it. Like it's the same length of TV show as it's always been, and there's more laughs. There are longer races, so something's got to go. That's it. I just I I don't I don't have a copy of the itinerary, the TV schedule in front of me. Yeah. Yep. I just can't imagine that a three and a half minute LCQ has to be cut. Like, there's got to be a way. Right. Right. Well, here's has the to other be a way. All the other stuff that isn't getting cut, the Kawasaki Science of Supercross and the Toyota Warpath or whatever that thing is called, and right. whatever other sponsors are in there, those things aren't getting cut. Yeah. I so, mean, just think if you were tuned in. That's where we're at. Think yeah. if we're tuned in for the Super Bowl. And we're like, yep. Well, there's five minutes left in the first half, but we're gonna we'll, we'll meet you after halftime. We're gonna go check out these features on Odell Beckham Jr., who's not playing in this game. No, but see, I don't, I don't. That's that's the disconnect. This is the 250 last chance qualifier for the Fox execs. You're like, well, we're not gonna cut off the main event that has Eli Tomac and Ryan Dungey. We're gonna give you every lap of that. That's no, they don't do that either. They go to commercial and some top riders in the main race. No, they don't do that either. They go to commercial. And you miss all kinds of passing, and they come back and I go, oh, yeah, there was a pass while you were gone. Well, okay, well, that's, what do you want to do? You want to have a halftime caution clock? Like, what do you want to do? 
Like, yeah, I would love for I would love if they stopped at ten laps and then started again. That that would actually be oh, awesome. I'd be all, all for it. That. But since since we know that's never going to happen, just like a chase format, the teams will shoot other will get, will bring guns to meetings and shoot people to prevent that from happening. You have a you happen to have one of the rare forms of sports or racing that does not have a stopping point in the middle of the race. So you, that's nothing to do with anything. That's the nature of the sport. You just they're never going to run a twenty five straight minutes without a commercial. They won't do it. Okay, so, I've got I've got your fix, Weege. I've got your fix, Weege. Can we go double box? Can we go picture-in-picture? Like, picture picture? There's, there's nothing wrong with double box. Somebody's going to pay for it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with double box. Double box is awesome. But people pay a lot of money for that. And because we're only getting, again, 200-some thousand viewers, no one's paying that kind of money to do that now, kind of it, thing. It costs more to go picture-in-picture, picture, like have, it, have the racing in the bottom right? No, it's not more from a technological standpoint. It's you've now messed up the whole model of how much the commercials cost and how much revenue they bring in. So if, if it worked that way that easily, there would be double box on every single TV show and every single sporting event ever. People, you know what I'm saying? Like, so Danica, the Danica interview, you can't have the 250 LCQ in the bottom right during the interview? Oh, yeah, but that's why I don't think the Danica interview is really the one to get the blame because, like I said, they didn't have the Danica interview in Anaheim, too, and they still did not show the LCQ. What's really doing it is, again, this, for example, Kawasaki signs a Supercross, and Kawasaki is going to say, for the amount of money that we spent on this project, we are not letting the audience see anything else but our stuff on the screen. We're not splitting it. It's a commercial, and we want them to watch it 100% of the screen. Um, don't let them watch the LCQ and ignore the... Uh, what is essentially an ad. People pay a lot uh-huh. of money for double box, if you know what I mean. Here. They do? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And, again, the other argument people kept saying is, like, I would rather see the 250 LCQ than Austin Fortner pig farming. That's what people say. But, again, their goal is to promote the stars of the sport. So they would rather give you the human interest story of Austin Fortner sure. than the dudes that are in the LCQ. And they do not consider stars. My argument to that would be, do you think that some average Joe that just happened to tune in, like as he was, you know, he was perusing through TNT and USA and uh, maybe, you know, Kardashians was a rerun. He just happened upon Supercross. He is now going to become a fan because he saw Austin Forkner farming? No. I think there's actually more of a chance, and this is going to make people throw up, there is more of a chance that a fan is going to like the sport because of that than we only got to see nine instead of ten races. They still got to see lots of racing, lots and lots of racing, tons of racing. They got to see tons of racing. They got to see four heat races, two semis, one LCQ, two main events. They got to see hours of racing. And also, they get to see, as they say, what the athletes look like under the helmet, which is a massive, massive, massive thing in the sports world. So, again, you go to the TV people and you say, sacrifice two and a half minutes of racing to get one of these athletes under the helmet, show what their parents are like, show what their life is like, they'd sacrifice that. All day long. Aren't you yeah, I, I guess I'm just on the other side of the coin. I would, I would much rather produce a better product and and keep our existing cu- customers that are actually spending money in this industry and keeping this sport afloat satisfied and happy and and wanting more. That's why Anaheim, you know, Anaheim sold out. Um, I, I would much rather keep those people happy and produce a. a perfect product for them versus piss everyone off and hope we're going to get some average dude that's never ridden a dirt bike and probably will never tune in again. 
It's just a different, it's just sure. a different perspective. I'm not sure that the average person is the only person that appeals to. I'm not sure that the motocross fan learning more about Austin Forkner, who's relatively new to the sport, and the human interest angle, I'm not sure that actually only, only applies to the complete newcomer fan. I don't believe that. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. But the the inside of, the outdoors or the um, um, uh, motocross nation, the, that Red Bull series, is that only appealing to the no, average no, no. Joe your, your and regular motocross fans have no interest? Your statement's yeah. not wrong at all. You're yeah. absolutely right. But at the cost of one of the most entertaining races of the night, I would say yeah. that's I, – I don't agree with – I don't agree with that. That's yeah, all. Yeah, I, I – Somebody sat at a boardroom, and I'm sure they said, would we rather show the stars of the sport away from the track in a reality show type format for three minutes, or would we rather show three minutes of racing in the support class and the non-top dudes in the class? And I'm sure they said, yep, easy decision. Sure. No, I, I, I yeah. 100% agree with how that went. I just argue. Right. I'm arguing the other side of the coin, and there's, you know, I'm not saying my yeah, argument's no, I, right I, or wrong. I hear you. And, by the way, there's not a single person listening to this podcast right now that's going to agree with me. They all think you're right. Absolutely. I'm sure they do, but this, you know what the weakness is here? If this sport was big enough to have post-game, pre-game shows like they do in the NFL, then you wouldn't have to do that. That's where all those, you know, they have features just like that Austin Forkner thing for an hour and a half on ESPN every Sunday morning, right? But we don't command the ratings to get that extra hour worth of pre-game show, so they got to put it somewhere. Yep. So that's what we get. You know, yeah. you, you ever seen Airheads, JT, the movie Airheads? Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, uh, and uh, Adam Sandler. Yep. Buscemi. Let's, let's go oh, into... You can, say, you can say Adam Sandler is always going to be Buscemi behind it. Let's go into... Let's get some fake guns where Bondo goes into the trailer where Bondo works. And let's, let's produce our own show for the night this weekend in Oakland. Let's go rogue. Uh, I think I'm out. Let's, I think I'm out on that. Let's go rogue. We'll go in there. We'll command. We'll we'll lock off the door. Bondo has to do what we want to do. Fro and Ralph. We yell at them all the time, and we command our own supercar show. And then, when it becomes massively popular, no one will press charges. <laughs> what do you think? Is that how that movie worked? I, I, I don't remember the end. <laughs> I don't remember the oh. end, but I think JT oh. and I could kill it. And then, uh, and then no one would press charges because they'd be like, "Wow, great job!" Because you actually did us a favor. I see a lot of things that I'd like to fix that I think could be fixed. One of them is Ralph saying that the guys are warming up while the LCQ is going oh. on. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, yeah. that'd be the first thing I would do. I would, I would tell Ralph through the thing. I would start yelling and screaming at him and say, "I got, I'm gonna, I, I got a gun," and don't say that, Ralph. So. But we won't really have guns. We'll just have like pieces of wood painted black, JT, and we'll keep it in our pocket. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have wood in your pocket. All right. <laughs> um, it's a very exciting show. Yeah. Well, so are you asked, JT? Because Wygant was ranting and raving in the press box about this because both of our twitters were blowing up. Fans are not happy with this LCQ not being shown. So, well, I think I think both both sides got both sides of the argument got exposed pretty well. So I think it's. It's relevant. It's right. good. good to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I'm just uh, my goal in life. Most of the time, I know again, no one's going to agree with me, but I just want people to know that it wasn't like complete idiocy. Like these people had lobotomies and had their brains removed. Like they thought about this, they analyzed this, 
and they decided this was the better path. You might disagree with them, but they did it. Right. There is a reason. That's all. I, yeah, uh, and I knew I knew that going in, but I yeah. think it's important to talk it out because a lot of people don't know the behind-the-scenes talk of all that goes. So. Well, no, well, totally. And by the way, I haven't talked to anyone about this. This is just, I mean, as soon as I knew we were going to have longer races, I'm like, something's got to give. So here we go. I just figured this out on my own. No one's told me, but it's pretty obvious, I think. Um, yeah. How was NASCAR Media Day, Weech? <laughs> That's the original uh, question. Well, first of all, it was free lunch, and uh, yeah, I sat in there while they did these uh, interviews. Got to somewhat hobnob with uh, Dale Jr. and other people like that, but I did no appreciable work whatsoever. Oh, you didn't? But oh, okay. Did. So you just they just said, "Hey, shadow and somebody and hang out." No, 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 no. Oh. Every year I say, "Can you get me a pass so I can be there and attempt to maybe get some work." Okay. Um, and in previous years, they felt bad enough that I was there for several days. They eventually started using me. But this year was only two days, and it wasn't long enough for them to feel bad. So, so okay. I didn't get anything. How many media people are there? Like, what are we talking? Uh, it's, I mean, it's way bigger than what we deal with. Um, you know, I'd say it's maybe that when that room gets packed the Thursday before Anaheim won, it's maybe double or triple that, the amount of media. Okay. But the event used to go on for four days, and now it goes on for two days. There's way more. It's like, imagine that press conference just over and 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 over. Um, I'd rather not think about our press conference over and over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> That's how people like commit suicide. They listen to lock themselves in a room and listen to Blink-182 songs over and over and end up killing themselves. I mean, it's a lot of... Um, a lot of teams made great progress, and uh, we really just going to work harder than ever and uh, refuse to lose. And uh, we're really expecting to just come out firing and improving all our all our weaknesses. A lot of that, over and over and over and over. <laughs> you know what's uh, one of the keys? Several several drivers. I heard this is big this year. Uh huh. Preparation. Oh, big key. Yeah. Success. Yeah. Preparation. Surround yourself with good people. You know all that yeah. kind of stuff. Programs. Program. Set up. Program. People. Yeah. Right. A lot of that. Chemistry, pop chemistry. Yeah. Mindset. <laughs> Mindset. Mindset. <laughs> What's up? Uh, the press conference that we had on uh, this past um, Sunday, uh, Chris Cooksey, who's, who's a fly racing rep writing for for a website, doing some media stuff. Did you? Oh. Get, uh, he asked a question that went oh, sideways, and I don't think he deserves. <laughs> No, I, I went back and watched it. I, I and I and I talked to Chris, and I'm on Chris's side. I think it got twisted, and I know I've talked to you guys a little bit, so I know how you guys feel. But I, I think it got twisted a bit. I don't think he got should have got hammered the way he did on it. I got a I got a text later that night. It was like, who was that guy? Why was he asking that? And I'm just like, it was fine. What? You, it was fine. I don't understand. Like, but then, okay, I talked to RV today, and this is a good one. He said. The writer is always right, bro. What was up with that question? And I'm just like, I said, they misunderstood it. And he goes, so two people misunderstood it? And I guess he had a point. Chad and Ryan misunderstood the question. But well, I think we each had a good point is that if there was any mistake, Cooksey should have said that the public or, you know, um, those in the, you know, just fans were basically saying, "Oh, it's over now," you know, and yeah. did that guy did that add motivation or whatever? You know, I, I I think he got twisted around and just wasn't maybe presented as far as what he actually meant. But yeah, he didn't do a great job of asking it, of wording it, and everything. But 
I don't think he deserved to get jumped on by Ryan and Chad. Not Chad didn't really jump on him, but you know, I was like, kind of like, what? Huh? Yeah, that was the most mad I've ever seen Ryan Dungey. Like he was actually angry. Um, yeah, and just to explain to people, so yeah, in the press conference, what he essentially said was, after Roxon got hurt and Dungey took the points lead, everyone was saying it's over. Dungey's going to win. So he said to Tomac and Reed, "Did that get you mad? Fire you, fire you up? Fire you up? Yeah." But they basically heard this. Basically, were you pumped that Roxon was out? Did it fire you that's up that Kenny they, got hurt? Did it fire you up yeah, that like, Kenny oh, got hurt? Yeah, like, oh, now we can win because Kenny's gone. Yeah, they right. totally misinterpreted. Um, so, oh, man, Dunge, like, Dunge got mad. He's like, nobody's crowning me champion. No one's giving me a crown. I don't see a crown up here. I'm crowned champion at the end of the season or whoever wins the championship is crowned. No one's crowned. It's round yeah. four. Yeah. He and snapped were, his fingers. And... Yeah. Yeah, he pointed at him. Dunge had, has him in him. Um, but... I've learned through the years of having to ask these tough questions. What you always do is you always say, and in this case it would have been correct, a lot of people are saying, right. and then they know it's not you, and then they can just blame the, you know, writers love to slag off on fans or vital or whatever, right? Right, right. So then you're like, hey, I don't agree with them, but idiot fans are saying Dungey has it wrapped up, although honestly everybody was saying that, not just idiot fans, but no. Yeah. <laughs> round four. We, round four, we got our first press conference controversy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but um, again, you, I've been saying this every week. Let's do a poll of the fans walking out of Angel Stadium last week. <laughs> Who's going to win the Super Rest title? Yeah. What, what's the percentage done? 99? Yeah, I, I felt bad for Cooksey. It wasn't like I said, it wasn't a great question, but but you know, two guys misunderstood it. But still, I didn't. They got they got it wrong. They got it wrong. So I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's not what you, mean. you know. But yeah. um, yeah. all right. Um, I guess we. You want to talk about our subscriber guy? We took around to the pits. Absolutely. Let's get to some racing here. Okay. We've gone pretty deep. Right. On that racing. Are you, we'll, you and we'll JT want to argue for 20, 20, 20 more minutes about the LCQ? I think we're good. Okay. I think we're good. Uh, JT, great track in Glendale. Fantastic. The first football stadium we've had, and uh, a big one at that. They didn't go outside like they did last year, but they still kind of went long, uh, long star straight, big whoops, technical section. That I don't know why it looked like uh, a mud race for the first practice, but um, what a track. I loved it. Thought it was great. Yeah, well, Phoenix Dirt is tricky because it doesn't it doesn't handle moisture very well. So to get it soft enough where it actually has some traction at 9 or 10 p.m. on Saturday night, I think, you know, they have to make it muddy at 12 p.m., you know. So it's not ideal for qualifying or practice or any of that, but to put on the best product they can – for television to have the best racing they can, it's kind of a necessary evil, and that's just, I, I don't think they want to do that, or I don't think they, I think they know what they're doing, like, it's kind of like, hey, man, this is just what we're dealt, you know, with this dirt, uh, but I think at the end of the night, when you're racing, you know, on in front of television, I think they had the best product possible, because of the mud earlier in the day. Track was good, too, like design. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the track was great design, a lot of options, really technical, um, the tough part was we had a lot of crashes early in the day because of the mud. You know, we lost Weston Pike, and we were lucky. We you know Jeremy Martin didn't race. 
now uh, Bowers. Tyler Bowers has a broken femur, and Brock Tickle was lucky to not be hurt badly. I mean, there were a lot of big get-offs in one section because of the mud, and that's unfortunate, but I do think that they were up against it. They either make it muddy in practice and deal with you know, the consequences, or they don't, and then the track is crap and rock hard and dusty in the night racing. Well, having said that, it still dried out pretty good for the night show. But if you think about it, why again, the track just had everything. Like, you were able to get into, you know, third and fourth gear on your bike, wide open, you know, like go really fast on a flat straightaway. You had big whoops, which separate a lot of guys. Although I didn't like them taking out that third jump after the first set of practices. That was dumb. Why did they yeah, do that? Silly. Why would they do that? Why, it, it made it so technical, so tough. Uh, the, the, the elite guys are still not having any problems with it. Why would they do that? Why why make it, uh, you know? I think the lesser guys, the privateers, the 250, um, you know, guys that were on the fence of making the race at all were having a really tough time getting through the whoops with that third bump there. Okay, well, too bad. It's, it's super cost. I'm not, yeah. I'm not arguing with you. Just right. telling you what I think the, pro, the thought process was. I would, yeah. I would agree with you. Right. I thought it was a bad move. I thought yeah. it was a, the wrong decision to remove that third bump. But yeah. I think that was why the decision was made. And we, so the track had it all. It had sand that actually kind of worked. Had an over-under yeah. bridge. You know, uh, had a quad that not everybody could do all the time. Like, it, just a really good and, – and actually, with all of that being said, I've always said, like, you sh- the ideal track to me has no triples. Like, just get rid of the triples. They're dumb. I know fans like them, but they're dumb. They're easy. Um, having said that, this track had two of them. So, um, great, great track. Yeah, I wish there were certain elements of this track that you could bring into every – um, track. I think the way that that start worked, not only the start, the long start itself, but um, the turn after the whoops was this big wide turn, and you were kind of, kind of reminded me of like the way the tracks were in like late 80s, early 90s. You just had that hard 180, and it's like if you entered on the outside, the guy was going to come underneath you. If you entered on the inside, it was going to flip the other way. Like there yeah. was, yeah. you could just get the guy back no matter what. And how many dudes do we see go side by side down the start yeah. after and, the whoops because of that? And then, and then the yeah. first turn which also utilized that start stretch. Same thing. You could go outside of the berm. You go inside. Uh, we saw probably three or four different lines that are all effective in that one turn. And in the miracle of miracles, we actually had rhythm lanes that some guys could do and some guys couldn't. But the other way of doing it wasn't always horrible because you could maybe use an inside line and yeah. kind of negate how, how the big jump was, was slowing you. So, I know that's what everybody wants every weekend, but these teams have dark fish and they have lit pros and they they know what they have to jump. So it was a miracle that you had a section that I guess was probably Reed, for example, was crushing that quad and Dungey wasn't. That's not going to happen all the time, but man, I wish it did. It was. I would bring that start idea and those two turns that involved the start to every track for now on. Just let's let's begin with that and try to figure out the obstacles too. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Good job, Dirtworks guys. I mean, we hammer them, you know, here and there, uh, yeah. myself included. So give them props yeah. when it, when they deserve it. Um, Is there a chance that we've been, if we and everyone else, rants that these four fifties are too big for supercross tracks, and then lo and behold, we get to a stadium that gives a little more space, so the track is amazing. Is that possible? I think so. Some of that, yeah. Don't you think, JT? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I just like to give credit where it's due. I thought that track was – was, and, and we wrote about it. I mean, 
I think the weather was more of a factor than anything else with the first four. That was the first track where they got to build the track how they wanted to. So it was a little bit of a unfair kind of comparison. Right. Um, well, uh, the panic button is done. I broke it. I, I, I smashed it to pieces uh, for Eli Tomac. Don't need it. Don't need it anymore. Um, just might want to might want to break it out for a couple other guys, but <laughs> yeah, well, everybody's got their own, right? I, everyone's got their own underneath glass. So okay. um, yeah, um, that was an ass whooping, JT. That was, I mean, but again, like he was fastest in practice and he won his heat. I didn't care about any of that. I did not care. I did not say like, oh, Eli's on it. Like we already saw him do that. But uh, in the main event, that was something else, man. That was the closest thing I've seen to Hangtown uh, 2015. Closest I've seen since then. Yeah. By anyone, anywhere. Yeah. Different level. Two-plus seconds a lap faster than anyone. Uh, I, I still am not quite sure how he did that. It was good. Oh, it was good. <laughs> um, it was that same kind of type of riding, though, where he's just exploding everything. So aggressive, finding traction where other people weren't. Mm-hmm. It was it was really impressive to watch. Yep, absolutely. I I think I think this fixes quote unquote Eli Tomac uh, uh, Weege. What do you think? I think this is like that's all he needed. That was it. No more arm pump and no more going backwards. We're, he may not win next weekend, uh, you know, but his slump is yeah. over. No, I agree. I, it, it's not. This doesn't mean that he's going to win the next fourteen races in a row, just like this. Although I don't know if TV, folks are watching on TV, I don't know if it did it justice, but it was like three laps into the main. It was like, what? <laughs> How could he have that big of a lead? It was like 11 seconds. I'm like, the third lap or something. It was insane. Uh, but, yeah, I, that arm pump thing, obviously, I hate to bring this up, but uh, they changed the setup uh, quite a bit, and uh, it seemed to help. So, yeah, I think that's all gone. Uh, this doesn't mean he's going to go on a massive win streak, but uh, I don't think you're going to see him starting second and going back to seventh again. No. They uh, they tested in Arizona all week, the guys did, and uh, made, they made a new part. Uh, they didn't really want me to talk about it, but um, as far as what it was, they asked, and that's fine. They, they made a new part, and this part made a big deal for Eli, and they discovered it, and they didn't have it before A1 because me being the smartass, I'm like, yeah, you guys should have really put that on after before A1, just, just FYI. And they were like, yeah, yeah, beat it. We didn't, we didn't have the part. So um, it's something new they thought of and something new they tried. And it was all chassis-related this week in Arizona. And there we go. That's it. So, um, Is it something that would flex more? No. Huh. No. Right. Um, Chad Reed, though. I wish I, uh, of course, our buddy Dan Truman told Chad Reed I bet against them. That is rule number one of all of our bets, so thank you for that, Dan Truman. Chad finds me on track walk. He's like, hey, I heard you bet against me. And I'm just like, oh, oh God. Anyways, though, but I wish I wish I had made seen the track before I made that bet because I tweeted it out, and I put it out today as a, as a look at me tweet. And I that track, JT, was very good for Chad when I was walking. I'm like, oh, God. If he gets a start, and with the bigger, longer start, he can get one. You know what I mean? It gives you more room, more time to do stuff. Um, I'm like, Chad is going to do well. I didn't maybe say second. You know, that's what he was going to do. But it was a great track for him. I thought it was pretty good. I think, uh, you know, he's made note of this several times. But I think that bike, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but he feels that bike works a lot better on harder pack tracks. 
So that's what we had, you know. Whether it was muddy and practice or not is relevant. When it was race time, it was hard pack, and he feels that that bike doesn't work really well when it's super soft and tacky and ruddy. So I'm not a an engineer to tell you why that happens or what, and I haven't tested, you know, a factory Yamaha, so I can't tell you. But I know on those conditions, he feels like he's relevant to win races. So we saw that play out last night. Yeah, I mean, his heat race wasn't great when the track was maybe a little tackier. Yeah, and I, and I don't think the track was too much different then. I just think uh, he figured some things out, too. I texted with him a little bit after the heat and uh, kind of told him, hey, if you can do that 3-4, three, 3-2, three, um, I mean, that's the line, you know. And if you can do it, I'm not telling you you can do it or don't do it. Like, you got to make that decision for yourself. But if you can, it's significantly better. And he was able to pull it, and we saw that be a huge factor in the main event because Dungey wasn't doing it, and that was really the deciding factor between Dunge, those two. Dungey was clanking it, just struggling with he it. He just couldn't. He, he basically made a decision. He was over it. He wasn't doing it. Yeah, at some even, point, yeah. yeah. Even when Chad started doing it and pulling him away, he just like, nope, not doing it. No, I, he tried it behind Chad and cased the three in, and, what, and I, don't, I think that was it. So well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he decided, he made a conscious decision. Like, nope, it's not happening. Right, I'm done. right. Yeah. So another example why that track was was great, you know. So um, big whoops, which were, I don't think Chad killed it in the whoops, but he was very good. You know. Yeah, they all kind of had him dialed though. Yeah. yeah, they did. You know, they they were big, but they were all. It wasn't a huge factor like we've seen at times. They all were pretty good there. And Dunge was kind of off all day, Weech. Kind of like last week, but you know he pulled out a clutch ride last week to win, but. Kind of same, just off a little bit. Not, you know, I mean, hey, he'll take his third and go on, but it wasn't great. Yeah, this series needed a race like this so bad. It needed a race like this. Huge. You and I were talking about it before the main event started. Um, people were – I put out a tweet right before the gate drop, and I was like, series needs Tomac to win tonight. It just needs – it needs a huge shakeup. And apologies again to Cooksey in the press conference, but again – Everyone was scared that Dungey was within round four was already going to have this thing on lock. So he needed someone to do something to just shake it up. And, I mean, since Tomac had been probably the guy who's performed the worst based on his expectations this mm-hmm. year, I'm like, that would be the biggest shakeup uh, of all. Yeah. So it actually worked. Then people were like, oh, my God, how did you see that coming? I didn't, I'm not saying I saw Tomac winning coming. I'm just saying it needed to happen. And thank God it did. I mean, now with Reed and Tomac, I mean, they straight up beat Dunge. It just changes the outlook of everything. Like, okay, wait, these guys still got life in them. Long way to go. Dunge is not going to win five in a row and have a 30-point lead uh, with the next month. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they had them covered. There's no doubt about it on this night. Having, having said that, though, when you look at it, at the end of the day, and this is what Dunge does, this is how Dungey operates. Oh, yeah. I really believe this. At the end of the yeah. day, those two guys beat him straight up were just simply better than him last night. He gained, he added his eight points to his points lead. Now he has a 15 point lead and he went in with a seven point lead. Yeah. And no matter how you break it down, I, I, I am a hundred percent in agreement that he was the third best guy at best last night. Yeah. And yet he added eight points to his points lead. That's the crazy part that is Dunge. That's why he is so tough to beat in a 17 round series. Yeah, you're, if you're any of those guys, you're knowing you're not going to get a lot of those clunks from, from Dungey very often. That's probably – you say, he's going to have three or four of those races all year. And if he's still going to freaking get third, like, 
we saw Tomac and Reed's bad ones. They're hoping to be in the top ten when they had bad races. Dunn still got on the podium. So how do you make yeah. up these points? Yeah. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I just love this race, Gary, tra- but, this race and yeah. this race track. I mean, Marvin was Marvin had gone uh, what three three two right? Yeah. Yeah. And now he he struggles to get in the top ten. Battles Cooper Webb all, all night and finishes ninth. That's awesome. Well, and I, I've made note of this. I've written about it. I've talked about it. I've said everything I can. I made note of it when he was and just moving up to the 450, and Danny Stevenson argued with me nonstop. When there are tough whoops, Marvin has a tough time. That's I, I can't say it any more clearly than that. And his start, his start was horrible. I know that hurt him badly. Yeah. But he he struggles. You can see it. He just I mean, guys were blowing past him in the whoops, literally just passing him. No problem. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a problem for him. To win a title, he's going to do great. Don't get me wrong. He's a top three supercross rider in the world. I firmly believe that. But to beat Dungey in a 17-round series or be a title threat, you can't have that big of a weakness like that. And it showed last night. Um, Weege, Brayton is back. That makes you very happy. Yeah, it was a crazy night that so many things went back. I mean, Tomac is back. Reed is back. Webb only got uh, uh, eighth, I think. But he said he felt like this was by far his best race yet. And Brayton, I mean, yeah, massive improvement. Probably as big a percentage improvement as a Tomac. Tomac, So he moved from, say, getting 17th. What did he get, sixth? Brayton? Yep. Yeah. So Brayton's gone from like a 17th place guy to a 6th place guy. Tomac's gone from a 7th place guy to a 1st place guy. Amazing how many dudes stepped up. So that's what I'm saying. For the series, it needed this big time. Because, yeah, not only was it Dunge winning after Anaheim 2, it's like, oh, and his teammate and training partner is the guy that keeps finishing right behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's much more mixed up. So, yeah, Brayton admitted he's been riding with Sealy a lot, and he said some days he can kind of keep up with them, and other days he's been getting his doors blown off. But they've been working on the bike, and this week they were out like a lot of these dudes out in Arizona, hiding from the rain in California, and he was able to keep pace a lot better. So their bike is coming a long way. A lot of talk is just that uh, the big difference is Brayton's bike is he's a, he's kind of a guinea pig for Showa, and KYB is on Roxton and Sealy's bike. And as we saw with Kennard a couple of years ago, or even Roxton last year on the Suzuki, KYB seems to have a little upper hand right now. But this thing, how many times has that flipped over the last yeah. 20 years? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Brayton's been kind of a guinea pig for new stuff on that bike, and it apparently got a lot better. Anderson was off all night. He didn't ride all week, Weege, you said? He was uh, struggling a bit? Yeah, so his arm, I, I, most people probably saw his Instagram. His arm, um, he put it on Instagram maybe last Monday or Tuesday, showing his arm was just completely jacked from that fall, probably from Marvin falling on him, because it was his, his left arm, I think. Um, so anyway, he said he tried to ride on Thursday, and he couldn't ride. Then he was gonna, he was like, I'll just show up to the race and see what happens. He said he felt okay. But uh, he didn't ride all week, and his arm hurt. He got 10th. That's not very good. What's funny is I talked to him after the race, <clears throat> and I gave him, like, nine chances to say, uh, you kind of regret what you did. It wasn't, wasn't really fighting on any of that with the web thing or the freeze thing freeze no, the freeze oh thing. The yeah, web yeah, thing yeah he said that was he said i his guy just came in there too fast i got whiskey throttle i screwed up and i hit him like he he basically yeah, said he was people yeah. were people were roasting him on my on my twitter feed i didn't think it was i mean it wasn't great it wasn't an awesome move but i mean 
I mean, I think if you're Webb, you can be a little upset for sure, but it's kind yeah, of kind yeah. of racing, you know. I don't know. But uh, I basically gave him the chance to say, you know, that he regrets what he did with Freezy, or maybe he realized that Freezy was just it was just a racing incident. He never really responded to any of the opportunities. <laughs> I think he stands stands pat where right. he did. Speaking, know, speaking, with that. speaking of his teammate Porcel, did you guys watch him? Did he crash? What happened? He was putting around the track. Very tired. Was do you think that was it? Very tired. I watched. Yeah, he was on my he was on my fantasy team, so I had a had a pretty Dude, close eye on him. He looked like he was cruising around for a parade lap. He tried to follow and catch. Uh, there was a, a battle with Alessi and Freezy, and they were just behind someone else, too, and I can't remember who they were behind. They finished behind Mookie, but I don't know if that was Mookie right uh, It could have been. Yeah, it was for a bit. Um, and he couldn't catch him, and then he just packed it in. Oh, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, um, he was done. Um, what else? Uh, Mookie, speaking of Mookie, he was better. He was better. He got taken out a little bit, but. Was it wasn't as bad as I first thought it was. No, he, he definitely got hit, but it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as I originally was like. Ooh, I thought he got him like really hard, right. but it wasn't super bad. I was. I've been thinking when I watched Webb and then when I watched Mookie today, a little bit of those, a little bit of welcome to 450 talk, you know, the class mm-hmm. to those guys. Both those guys are probably like, huh, what? Who are you? Like, gonna go away? And then like they're just getting hit or passed or whatever. You know what I mean? Like. Like everybody's for real type deal in this 450 class. I'm sure they were like, "What?" You know. So yeah, like it was uh, it was Millsaps that hit Mookie, right? Uh, no, Chad. Was it Chad? Yeah, no, it, was, it was Millsaps. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's Millsaps. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's that illustrates your point. Like I'm sure when you go to the 450 class, you're like, "All right, I wonder if I can run with Dunge. I wonder if I can run with Roxon." But don't forget, there's also dudes like Millsaps who know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and they're really good. Uh, and by the way, Millsaps and Baggett also. How many dudes got better this weekend? It's crazy. Yeah. They were also they were great. really good. Millsaps' fastest uh, lap Jay, was the last one. Intel on Baggett? What was up on that? Uh, I knew he had a really good week. And I knew he had kind of gotten back to the lap times that he had been doing preseason. And then just I think he lost a bit of confidence with his, you know, maybe less than desirable results of the first couple of rounds. But I knew he had a great week and he was coming in hot. And then I saw him early in practice just, like, not waiting. Like, he was like, "Get everyone get out of my way. I'm better than you guys. I'm going to the front in practice. And that was when I jumped on it because I just, I just saw it. I saw the aggression and the confidence level early. So it was really nothing more than that. He was good. You don't see Baggett usually in practice. It's not normally his thing. Um, Millsaps won a heat again. When he was winning in the 250 class outdoors, qualifying wasn't normally good. But he was, was he fastest in one of the sessions this weekend? Uh, no, overall, right? No, Tomac was, but no, no, oh, no. Baggett was fastest until the last lap. Somebody got him, I think. No, Baggett was the fastest. Tomac. Was Baggett got the one? Baggett was fastest overall. Period. Yeah, he was one oh one four. Yeah, Cooper Webb was second. So it was Baggett that got somebody right at the end. It was right at the end. There was a change. Yeah. Tomac, Tomac got Millsaps. They were one and two. Tomac got Millsaps to make them to make that team one and three on the like one lap to go or right. whatever. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I know Forrest, uh, yeah, you're saying it's like the team's life goal to finally get a podium. They have to be just salivating right now. Like, there's a lot of frustration though. I can tell the you that. Dude, there's a lot of frustration though. Weege, they still Weege, they well, swept the super because they know they're they're on the cusp. Weege, they, they still don't get it. 
they swept the Supercross Weege. It doesn't get any better. They swept. Oh, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, true. Doesn't get any better. Sean yep. Skinner. Um, Matt Bonney. Matt Bonney. Oh, Cunningham. Cunningham, yes. Hell, I remember well. Swept it. The Noof got fourth. <laughs> um, we all chuckle. We all chuckle at that. Um, uh, so, okay, all right. Um, yeah, Mookie was better, I thought. So, that's good, you know, a little better than last week. So, that's good for him. Uh, all right, let's take a commercial break here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Light hydrogen gear that continue to develop and improve the light hydrogen race wear through consistent and constant feedback from its amateur and pro athletes, with the end goal always being to create the lightest, most breathable race wear on the market. Light hydrogen race wear, probably the stuff most of the top pro racers uh, like the most, right, JT? Uh, it's probably the most asked for, yes. yes. We, we, we force some stuff on them at times because we have a lot of stuff to you know, market, Sell. but yeah. um, that's that's probably their go-to if they had their choice. Yep, absolutely. All right, listen to this commercial from Michelin and Racetech. Pulpamex 17 is a code at Racetech suspension and, and engines to save money, and we'll be right back with a 250 class. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015. When you order, you can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come in the corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and 
normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting traction handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires, and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast, Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. This is the Glendale uh, Supercross wrap-up. Uh, or Phoenix, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I started my column by naming both of them like five times, and I, I still don't know which one it's, to call it. It's the University of Phoenix Stadium, but it's Glendale Supercross, so I'm confused. But you fly into Phoenix. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I'm good with either one. Yeah. Nice stadium, though. It is. I love that stadium. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Although my mom was there and not happy with the concession prices. I wasn't either. Yeah, that's stadiums. Um, she doesn't go to many supercrosses, so I think she would be probably appalled at all of them. Yeah, not happy with the coffee prices, the chicken fingers, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Why didn't you take her to Buca de Beppo and get her all dialed she, in? She got late. She got there late. Oh. We instead took uh, the, the subscription winner to, to JGR to have uh, Buca. And then uh, a guy traded me Starbucks for a chance to meet Phil, and we gave him JGR Buka also. So was, that was one of the best deals ever made by that individual. Yeah, six, in the history yeah. of deals, he got hooked up. Six dollar coffee. He got a jersey, a signed front number plate sticker, a poster, and free Buka de Pepo. Yeah, can't Great deal for him. Yeah, absolutely. Keep that in mind, everybody, and future supercrosses. Keep that in mind. So, um, all right, 250 Supercross, uh, Hill, another a good track for, for Hill and McElrath. What a ride. Whose ride was better, though? Like, they're both awesome, but which ride Hill. was better? Hill. Bro, McElrath was on the outside. He had to go to the LCQ. That's fine. Hill, but Hill needed to make up points. He got passed and dropped halfway through the race, found a way to regroup, Catch McElrath, make a, pa- a pass with one lap to go. So I'm not saying anything against McElrath. Yeah. He was incredible. McElrath got dropped on his head in the heat. For sure. I, I, there's nothing against McElrath when you're saying that. But if you have right. to choose, you have to pick the guy that won. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going with uh, McElrath. Weege, break, break, break the tie. Hill one. Yeah. yeah, but McElrath was LCQ far outside gate. Yeah, I agree, but he had a 3.7-second lead with, like, whatever, six laps to go. Wow, Lapper. Hold it. Now, I know Lapper screwed him up. He messed up yeah. that uh, section before the whoops, like the rollers in the turn before the whoops, he screwed up, and he lost the two seconds right there. But mm-hmm. come on. He had a lead. He'll caught him and beat him. It's kind of hard to argue. Oh, okay. So, I, I, I'm this is different than that. And, by the way, I know people are listening right now saying, but you guys argued Dunge versus Roxon after San Diego, and we gave Dunge proxy and they got second. It's just a different story. It's not. There aren't head games between these two right now. They're just even oh. up, and they're just battling hard. I'm going to rename this the Shitting on Shane podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, he got second. I'm you got to pay double for that one, just like a double box. Um, I'm. This is uh, these guys though, Weege. They're they're uh, they're bros in the press conferences here. They're they're like buddies. Like this is a real cool thing developing here. Before they went up on stage, Macaras like. You've been a real thorn in my side. <laughs> I'm just like, what? 
So, um, is that what he said? Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. It was great. And Hills <laughs> laughed and put his arm around him, and they, you know, I thought it was great. So these two guys are getting along pretty well. I think a lot of that uh, is Hills' personality is just uh, infectious. Is like the word I would use. That dude just really loves the whole sport. Like he loves being a dirt bike racer. He loves being at the races. I feel like anybody he battles with, he's going to enjoy battling it out with them. Um, you know, like. Pastrana, that was like his deal. It didn't matter how gnarly the battle was. He always like wanted to also become friends with the dude. And I think half the time when it's like Mike Brown, it's probably like, what? Are you? No, no, stop. Yeah, go away. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, Ron Ron was into it. Uh, but I feel that's the way Hill is. Like, there's few riders, I feel, that enjoy the fact that they're a professional motorcycle racer as much as, as Hill. So whatever's going on, he's going to be pumped on it. And then I think, you know, as long as you don't have too much of an attitude, the other riders can join in with that. Yeah, he's been funny. He's been good. Been outgoing, you know, yeah. everything. Yeah, he's been enjoying this for sure. But, Weege, you, 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 know, you know as well as I do, like, the first time around a pro circuit and at Troy Lee, he's frustrated some team managers and team owners, you know? So, I mean, yeah, you know, right. we, we don't hear, yeah. we don't know the whole sides of that. Obviously, there's always two sides, but um, there's a little bit of that, too. It makes me go, huh, okay, all right. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. kid well, seems happy. And, also, yeah. To further complicate it is the... Uh, you're, then once you start talking to the team people, right, it's not just the rider they're talking about, right? Right, true, yep. <laughs> then it gets really hard to figure. Um, other people. Plessinger's starts are just, they're, they're horrible at this point. Right now, through the four races, he his start is, uh, he averages a 6.3 average start. Um, there's three and four and 3.8 and six and, and, and 5.3, but Plessinger's 6.3 start. He's just not going to do it, JT, if... if you know, if he can't get off the line. He can beat these guys, but... Yeah, the problem is he's as good as them, but he's putting himself at a disadvantage by starting behind them. So that's just... Yeah. That recipe's not going to work. Yep. If um, you're going to start back there, you better be a lot better than those two. And he's just not. You better be... He's great. Yeah. He's great, but so are they. you got to be Bubba, 04. Yeah, you just have to be significantly better. And, and that sounds negative towards him, and it's really not. It's just he's... They're putting themselves in better yep. position than he is, and that's you know that's all the difference is right now. Forkner got his first podium, Weech. Yeah, he's um. I think we talked about this last week. I think you know there were people, even some people on his podcast, that were thinking he's right in there as the title favorite. I think he got something like seventy percent of the vote when we put it as an online poll on the RaceRx website of who's the favorite. Um, he's really struggling with not really doing that badly, really, but. I think he thought he could win. So, wow, we're four races into your Supercross career and you haven't won a race yet. But I think he's bummed. Um, he's having a tough time, you know, balancing the I should be learning, but I also should be winning at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, those guys, I mean, he had to be a bit bummed. You're a pro circuit guy. You're literally right there, you know, in second, chilling, and leaders right in front of you, and they, the two guys pull, they yard you pretty good. Uh, I don't know what the. Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. that should be okay. It's his fourth fourth Supercross race ever, and he got his first podium. It should yeah. be like this is awesome. This is great. But instead, it's like half awesome, half disappointing. Right. Right. Uh, he's just in a tough spot because it's only happened a few times. But we do know that there are dudes like Dunge who won the very first Supercross they were in. So it's not impossible. But you're really 
you're really setting the bar pretty high. It's yeah. a podium in yeah. your fourth race isn't good enough. Yeah, unfortunately, Canard and Villapoto and Stu and, you know. Um, they kind of showed you could win races. Roxon, yeah. yep. the whole thing is switched. I mean, when Jimmy Button came out of Loretta Lynn's, he was the hottest guy ever, and he got 18th. Ferry was the all-time winner at Loretta's and could barely break top 10, you know, didn't break top 10 at all. Bradshaw got a fourth at his first round, and the world exploded. That was just Carmichael, what it was. What, what, 16-7? What? Even Carmichael, what, 16-7? Yeah, Carmichael, 16-7. Like, and he was nowhere near... Windham and Lampson on that day. Right. And Not even the same realm. So, you know, for years and years and years and years, it was no big deal. Learn, Take your lumps, learn them, you know, everything else. And now it's it's like, oh, you suck. You're terrible. Hang it up. You retire. You know, so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, uh, uh, J-Mart. Wow, that's not, that's terrible. Jeez. Oh. Hitting their head Man. with a front wheel. Yeah. Planes crash into the mountain. It's over. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad deal. Um, Marty, Marty won a heat race. Good for him. And the track, yeah, his bike stalled. Yeah, bike stalled. It wouldn't start. I was watching him trying to. I mean, electric yeah. start. You can literally see him pressing the button. He yeah. doesn't have any other option. There's no Kickstarter, so. Yeah. And yeah, um, that was a bad deal. If you, um, if you. Started the battery. The battery is really small, so it only has a few tr- pumps in it, pressures in it, and then it goes dead. So yep. he got lucky to even get going. So oh, uh, Ryan Dungey at Redbud, two thousand fourteen. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, Marty had a trying week, like personally, 13. personally 13. wise, and I mean, I guess good job by him to win the heat race. I'm sure he had like a real tough week, you know. Yeah, and, I was wondering about his focus. He uh, he had obviously a lot on his mind. I'm sure. I was wondering about focus in the middle of the race. Because as a racer, it's tough to for 15 or 20 minutes or whatever to lock into what you're doing the whole time without daydreaming a little bit. Right. So I was wondering how that would play out. I don't think that had anything to do with it, but I was wondering how that would go. Yeah. Yeah, no, me too. Um, Phil was up front for a while, Weech, and I texted him today on our group text. And I mean, I, I didn't want to be a, like an asshole, but I'm like, we, Phil, I'm like, did something happen to your bike? Because he really fell off, and that's not like him. But I guess he dislocated a knuckle. He came up short on a triple. His finger was out on his clutch, JT, and he came up short, pushed it out, dislocated it out. So, Ouch. Yeah, he said it really hurt. So. <laughs> At that time, I mean, that sounds like Phil. Who else would that happen to but Phil? Yeah, no, just, just Phil. JT, in all your years, racing and being around other racers, Riding day after day with multiple people and yourself. Have you ever heard of this happening? No, I dislocated a knuckle and broke a finger, but it was like I got my hand stuck in a rear wheel in a first turn crash, but not just yeah. like, oh, yeah, I came up short on that triple and dislocated. No, no, I never, yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. <laughs> Only Phil. Yeah. I was, uh... One of my favorite uh, Phil stories here, by the way, uh, as we know, Monster is now spending a lot of money in NASCAR. Yep. Everybody's worried yep. that Monster's going to make big cutbacks. Uh, as far as anyone can tell, it's only been one. Been one cutback. One cutback from Monster. <laughs> Phil no longer has a, a Monster helmet deal. <laughs> Everybody else? I think, I think the only... Ch- <laughs> if, if there was a way to bet that Phil was going to dislocate a knuckle, I would have bet that he flipped so many people off in practice and in the heat races in the main mm-hmm. events that he dislocated his middle finger knuckle. Or, I would have never true. seen this, or, this uh, coming. Or throat slit gesture that went wrong. 
you know. Right. Um, so yeah. Monster made one cutback, Weege. Uh, as far as anyone knows, everybody else kept their deal. Yeah. But uh, Phil, sorry, we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> it's Bad news, Phil. Every pro circuit guy, Barsha, every Kawasaki guy, Chad every Cooper, guy, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yamaha. Literally, the phone call was like, "Hey, we got Phil. We got bad news." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, they picked up Cooper Webb. So, if anything, and they haven't really changed anything else. If anything, they're spending more money this year, uh, but not Phil. Nope. <laughs> but he did. Those fans did get to meet him and experience him and everything else. So that was good. Um, is there any chance? This, uh, deal? There, well, we went. Is there any chance that Phil gets pulled to a 450 with this uh, JGR situation? <sighs> no, because okay, he's got two more right, and then Barsha should be back, and I think they really like Weimer, so I think that's what they do. Just go, just go with Weimer. Weimer, and wait Barsha. till Barsha gets back. Yep. Weimer Barsha. That's what I think. Um, I think Barsha's still. I I think Barsha's still at least at least three weeks away. Well, those guys say hopefully Dallas, but maybe not. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta's. I think Atlanta's best case scenario. That that's my own outside. I haven't talked to anybody, but just my own analysis from knowing what I know and. But that's I, only that's only one race for Phil then on a four fifty because he'll be. Racing two fifties. No, I know. I'm just saying. I think it's. Uh, I think he. I think Barsh has got a little while still. Just from my own experience of racing and knowing how injuries are and how long it takes to get back to where you're comfortable racing, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit. So that would be uh, at least two races, at least with just one 450 guy. Hmm. All right. Um. Yeah. The the we had a racer X subscriber uh, winner for Glendale. And he basically got to hang out with us for an hour and a half, two hours. We took him to Pro Circuit, to Cowie, to JGR, uh, Top Jimmy, and Georgia as well. Um, and every time we went there and we said, yeah, this guy won a contest to hang out with us, every single person said, that's not really winning. That's yeah. not that's not yeah. really a good thing to this guy. And I'm like, yeah. oh, awesome. Yeah. Did he win or did he lose Get to hang out with you guys? It yeah. was Amazing how every single person had the same joke. Jimmy Perry, yep. Yamaha team manager, Mitch, everybody over at Cali. Yep. The best part was, though, at the beginning of the day, I went to Phil and I said, hey, uh, we're going to bring over a fan to make fun of you later today about 5 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't know why. Didn't know even what the hell I was even bringing that up right. for. And, well, and, the, and then he went. The team, the team likes picking on Phil so bad. Remember, we first went in there and Phil was not there. Yeah. And they kind of, like, fetched him down from the lounge to be made fun of. Go <laughs> <laughs> get down here. Hey, whipping boy, we need you downstairs. Well, and then, like, the guy with the, guy with the Starbucks, like, I never told Phil anything. I, I just said to the guy, yeah, yeah, you can meet Phil. And then I said, Phil, you got to meet these people. I said, I got a Starbucks out of it. And he said, what? And I said, yeah, they bought me a Starbucks, and the guy just wants to meet you. And Phil goes, oh, God. And he goes, come here. And he bites him in the truck. He tells them to come into the truck. So. Yeah. Yeah, game in Jersey and everything. Yeah. Um, so it was good. So this guy, it was Mike and then his daughter Madison. They're they're locals, and it was pretty cool because I guess this dude has raced. You know, he's an older guy now, but he's raced forever. I guess local moto. So he was running into tons of people that he knew. Yeah. Uh, when we went from area area, which was good, it made it a little less awkward. It wasn't like if we were going to talk to Mitch for a minute, he, he had his own buddy to talk to. But I believe his highlight was we go into the Cowie rig, 
And uh, Bruce Sternstrom's there, who's like the head of all Kawasaki racing. I'm like, hey, Mike and Madison, this is Bruce. And Mike just cuts me off, and he's like, oh, I know Bruce. Jet skis. And then he and Bruce talked about jet ski racing at Havasu <laughs> for, for probably a half hour. Right. And I was out. Yeah. There was nothing I could contribute. Yeah. <laughs> they were in heaven. Bruce got to talk jet skis. Stern- so we were all good. Sternstrom and Coy Gibbs might be the two most powerful people that are like the most funny, normal, like joking guys. You know? Like. They got a, they're very powerful people in the sport, and they got a lot of decisions and money to, to distribute and allocate and go racing. And yet they they aren't much like much, much more mature than us. It's it's awesome. Well, it's the, it goes back to that same thing we throw uh, Mitch Payton and, and Roger DeCoster in that group too. The further you go up the chain, honestly, yeah. the less worried those guys are. They're they're way more forthcoming, and it's way less awkward. They're just much more honest. Yep. Well, there's a lot uh, of security there, I think, too. It has to be because yeah. it keeps yeah. happening. Like the further you go up the chain, the further that do you think you'd be more intimidating to talk to those guys? They are the most honest dudes you will talk to in the pits. The, the guys at that level, they'll tell you anything about anything. They don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's just security, job security, and stability in the sport. I I, I think that's and, where that all comes from. And Weegee and I have been hammering on Sternstrom to get James back, and like, <laughs> yeah, like every we're just like bring him home, bring him home. Like yeah. Chad had the home butt patch. Remember. Yeah. We'll do the same and thing. And we'll have a, a, just a white water bottle, a clear water bottle on the podium and I, use a well, I Red told, Bull towel. No, and, I told Bruce we got to let him run the Red Bull helmet if he comes back. Yeah, that'll go well. <laughs> Bruce is like, oh, okay, all right, okay. If anybody, if anybody could be more against that, it would be Bruce, who's worked for Monster. <laughs> I, I've made that clear to him that that's the, that's the terms of our coming back, so is Red Bull helmet. Our. Yeah. Hour. Yeah. Hour coming in. <laughs> well, but last year, he enjoys this concept so much. He said to me last year at one of those uh, USGPs, he's like, uh, I got it. Traders Kawasaki, not monster affiliated. We can do this. And we even got Skip Norfolk over there. So we can, <laughs> we can roll a factory bike under that truck. Skip will take care of it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So he like he says, "What does Bruce say? The goal is to give him the one day contract, like in baseball. Yeah. I'm going to retire as a, yeah, retire as Cincinnati Red. He is down with Stu. He is down with Stu. Coming back for a day, putting a Cowie hat on, retiring as a Cowie guy, and then you know, obviously doing something for Cowie or something. But but we're trying to we're still holding on to the racing part of it for Weege and myself and Williamson and everybody else. So never going to happen. Um, that's that's what we're trying to make happen. But yeah, you're right, JT. It's probably. No, he's not coming back to Cali. No. <laughs> but Traders Cali? Last year. <laughs> yeah. Last year. Well, they went to Yamaha, so. Last year, I was trying to do a deal with Sternstrom and, uh, for Nick Way. And I'm like, we need, we need like 30 grand and, from you guys to, to be racing at you know, all the super costs. And, and Bruce is like, 30? And I'm like, yeah, 30 grand. He's like, we can do that. I'm like, really? I'm like, you can, you can do 30 grand? He's like, oh. I thought you were paying us thirty grand for the ride. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 Bruce. No, he's like, oh, I thought you were paying us to to give you parts and bikes for thirty grand. <laughs> he like had me going for a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 you got it backwards. So, anyways, um, all right. Anything else? Onward to Oakland. Great stadium. Great team. History of winning up there. Who's going to win the two fifty title? Well, well I was, we already know Cooksey has a, you know, he, he basically wrapped this 450 thing up. 
I'm just kidding. That's not fair. I'm uh, uh, I am I am trying so hard to not unleash on these press conferences, and I, and I won't. But I. It's just I'm some great text messages I've gotten though. Those are, those I, I am I'm not happy with what's going on, and I don't know I don't know who to lash out at right now. My favorite thing is that the last text I read before I fell asleep was you bitching about pe- press conferences, and the first thing I read this morning was you bitching about press conferences. That was awesome. <laughs> this aggression will not stand. This aggression will not stand. Um, hey, when Chad when Chad came into the room, I'm like, hey, I'm glad you're here. You're the only one old enough to remember when we actually used to do these things. Oh. And, and then Chad says, and then Chad says, yeah, they were as boring then as they are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> just never. <laughs> and then Reed was salty about people patting him on the back like he's never going to get another podium. He's salty about that. And then his very first answer to what changed was like a slam at Yamaha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Chad is just so ridiculously outspoken. Yeah. Just awesome. No, I said, uh, I said, hey, are you gonna come? Yeah. Are you gonna come on the Paul Paul Mech show? You know, finally, because he, he kept saying he's got nothing good to say about, it, and then he's like, no, I'm just gonna get myself in trouble if I do that. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. never stopped you before. Yeah, I know, right? Well, 250 title, JT. Uh, my my pick was Plessinger or Forkner. Then it turned into Plessinger, and now I'm going to go with Hill. I, I keep I keep disrespecting McElrath. So I, I know, I know. I just I can't picture 250 Supercross champion Shane McElrath. I can't picture that uh, yet. Shit on Shane podcast, huh? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, jo- I'll join the club with you two guys. Um, uh, shit on Shane podcast. Shit on Shane, everybody. It's a uh, it's a new podcast. Um, double box. Yeah, double box and shit on Shane. <laughs> Uh, so I'll go Hill. I'll go Hill. He's got confidence. I think technically he's a fantastic rider. Obviously the team is great. Um, I'll go Hill. Are you sticking with Jmart Weege? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean that's the way it's supposed to be. You got you got to ride it out. I, I can't change now. Oh, talk about Jmart. How good was that Larocco conversation, Weege, before we went up into the into the. Uh, into the oh, well, yeah, put him in that category, too. Mike Larocco, another one. You can ask him anything, and he'll just be unbelievably blunt. Uh, <laughs> so will J-Wall. Him, J-Wall will be unbelievably blunt. A, yeah, he will. <laughs> unbelievably, it's a couple guys that are unbelievably blunt. <laughs> but Larocco, not one of them. We were talking about uh, the 90s and all the dudes partying in Havasu. And I said to Larocco, I'm like, did you ever go to Havasu with those guys? No. Did you ever go to Havasu ever? Have you ever been to Havasu ever? No. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, he, then we were making methods of putting this uh, Mike Kudrowski replica bike together. And I'm like, God, let's just get Shane Nally. The truck driver yeah. for Geico Honda was the mechanic for Mike Kudrowski in 1989 on Team Honda. Yep. And, I was like, and then we started bringing up the Kudrowski and Larocco rivalry. No, and, and, like, and wow. Wilbur's like, don't don't bring that name up in here. Do not bring that name yeah, up yeah. in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we say we're like, so I'm like, how did you end up hiring Kudrowski's old mechanic as a truck driver for the team? And Marco's like, well, it took two months. I really had to think about it. Like, I really didn't want to hire him. <laughs> and I thought he was joking. I'm like, wait, you're serious? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's great. It's like 22 years ago. Yeah, still upset, <laughs> still angry about the the ghost ride and everything. Yep. And then, uh, oh, and then didn't they? One of the guys said that they were watching some film of that race, and Nally got all fired up and said, "Mike didn't even take him down. The Rock did it himself." 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody on the team went to Nally's house, and Nally, of course, has the videos queued up. Yeah. He must have like a Kudrowski room, I think. So they made it sound like he had, like, instead of a man cave, he had like a good uh, MX Kid cave. <laughs> um, all right, Weech, who you got for the title? J-Mark, what? Okay, all right. <laughs> and I heard he, the, the, he might have to miss Oakland also, so it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's really going to be tough. Yeah, let's see. Let me see here. He is um, he's uh, 52 down with four races to go, I think, or five All races right. to so go. It could be 70-some. could be 70 down if he misses Oakland. He's going to have to uh, jump a lot of guys, too. Like it was, It's going to be close. Yeah. So he's, if he gets down 75, he's already mathematically eliminated. He might be within one point of being eliminated at that point. Okay. But, uh, just like Dungey said, it doesn't matter until you crown the champion. Nobody's, yeah, nobody's crowned anybody. Nobody's no. crowned anybody. No. Just like uh, just like Dennis Green. You want to crown him? Crown him. <laughs> Dungey is who we thought he was. <laughs> he is who we thought he was. Not uh, two-time defending champ. All right, uh, JT, title? Uh, I'm going to go with Hill. I think I know McElrath still has a, uh, what is it, six-point lead? Four-point four point lead. Uh, Four-point four point lead, yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Hill. I, I like. I just think he has a lot of momentum right now. Um so okay. he threw it away last year. I picked him last year after some incredible rides, and he threw it away at Detroit. But uh, I'm going to go with Hill. All right. Sounds good. Flyracing.com, Glendale Supercross. Wrap up, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Thanks, boys. See you next week. See you. See you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, didn't anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. 
there's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days go.